Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. My name's Scott Jennison. I'm the Acquisitions Manager here at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, we love having guests, and there's, there's this guest um, we're really excited to have on today. Um, a wealth of knowledge, um, and I'm sure some listeners will get a lot of interesting facts and uh, details from Simon Presley. Welcome, Simon. Thank you, Scott. Always great talking about property, my friend. Absolutely. Welcome back, everybody. It's Melinda Jennison here, Managing Director at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, It's taken a while for us to approach you, Simon, to invite you on our podcast because as a data nerd myself, and I know you love data and you love facts, but I've always felt intimidated because the level and detail that you go into, I just feel like I haven't quite been at the same level. So um, I did bring myself to become confident enough to reach out and say, Simon, it's time to come on the Brisbane Property Podcast. Let's get some facts and data specific to Brisbane that I know you spend so much time collating. And um, and that's going to be the whole sole focus of this episode. And as I said, we really appreciate you making the time. And I know you've put some time and effort into researching some information to share today. Thank you. And I'm sorry to hear that I've um, intimidated you. That's not my, that's not my intention. <laughs> I love sharing. I, lo- I love data. I love knowledge. Um, I'm a probably walking encyclopedia when it comes to property. It's an addiction. Um, and I love sharing it. Yeah, and, and I think you've got a massive passion too, Simon. So, look, the list goes on and on um, about yourself, Simon. Australian number one market analysis, three-time Australian Buyers Agent of the Year, REIA Hall of Fame inductee, Managing Director of Propertyology for over 14 years now, and um, you're a mad Brisbane Lions fan. You saved the best to last, Scott. Yes, um, I'm passionate about property, but I'm even more passionate about the mighty Brisbane Lions. Let's hope we win a premiership this year, hey? And you were, I believe we, we had a chat earlier, um, you went to the three premierships they won back in, I've got to get the years now, 2001, two and three, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Um, aside from the day I married my beautiful wife, the most exciting moment in my 53 years on this planet was the first premiership we won. Interesting, because the day we were married was actually that day as well. So there's a fact for you. A wedding guest, a wedding guest uh, yeah, we, we made to, sure that we had the timing right to allow for the game in we, between ceremony and reception. We had to change it slightly to bring the wedding forward to get married so that they could sit and watch the game when we went and got Wow. Photos. Wow. So, yeah, so we do, I do remember that day, and I'm glad I got the year right. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have been in trouble. So. <laughs> Um, look, Simon, I, I also um, recently we were at the um, REBA, the Real Estate Buyers Agent Association um, conference, uh, and yeah. you presented up there. Now, I'm not the data nerd, um, as you know, and, and I always say this on the podcast, Melinda is definitely that. Um, but it was really interesting. Like, I, I do get blown away. Some, some of the information you share and the facts and are very, very interesting. Even as I say, I'm not that data nerd, but you know, that was just something I, I commented afterwards and said, you know, that was some really interesting facts you brought up about property. Um, and it's not just property, it, there's so much involved in it. And I think that passion really comes out when you do share that information like you do. Yeah, and I will actually also add that um, not only do you study a single property market so intensely, but you focus on the entire Australian market and really get granular in certain areas. So you've got a much higher level of understanding of what's happening nationwide, whereas, you know, our focus is really Southeast Queensland and Brisbane. So to be able to have that very holistic view, I think is a real skill and you do add so much value to the community through what you share. But let's start with some fun facts. I know that um, we were talking about, you know, starting with some fun facts about Brisbane today. What have you got for us, Simon? 
I've pulled together 14 fun facts about Brisbane. Um, some people might know some of these, but I'm fairly confident um, very few people will know all of them. So Brisbane is Australia's ninth oldest city um, out of the 400 townships that make up this huge country. It's the third oldest capital city after, of course, Sydney and Hobart were the first two founded capital cities. Two years' time, Brisbane will celebrate its 200th year anniversary. That'll be a milestone in itself. Um, Brisbane was founded, and this shouldn't, it's funny, like sometimes a lot changes over time, but some convicts leaving Sydney and moving to Brisbane. Uh, 200 years later, lots of people still leave Sydney and move to Brisbane. Um, <laughs> the population over the first 100 of Brisbane's 200 years was 240,000. The population um, added over the next 100 years was 2.3 million. We are the third biggest city, but we're only half the size of Australia's second biggest city, Melbourne. 49% of Queensland's total population, of course, live in the state's capital. That's actually a lot smaller ratio than most other capital cities. So, for example, uh, Melbourne, Perth and Adelaide, about 75% of the state live in, in those capital cities. And in Sydney, um, 50, that's 65% of all of New South Wales' population. So Brisbane is a, is a little bit less than, than half of the state's population. If we drew a circle, um, if we went to Brisbane CBD and drew a circle, 20, a 20-kilometre 20 radius from the Brisbane CBD, 25% of Queensland's population live inside that 20-kilometre radius. If you have a think about how big Queensland is as a landmass, 2,700 kilometres long along the east coast, and we've got, we've got a quarter of our population crammed into that one little circle, um, which is made up of 1.1 million homes. Real estate-wise, um, Brisbane transacts somewhere between 35 and 40,000 properties per year. That's a typical year for Brisbane. 66% uh, of those dwellings are detached houses, whereas in Melbourne it's 60%, in Sydney it's 50%. So, so the old-fashioned quarter-acre block is more common in Brisbane than our two biggest cities. Three out of 10 Brisbane homes are rented. The biggest ever property boom that Brisbane has seen, 40% growth in the 2003 calendar year. Some of us remember that. That was a premiership year, Scott. Yep. Uh, a couple more facts. Um, uh, all of Australia, not just Brisbane, we had three recessions um, in the 17 years from 1974 to 1991, so not that long ago. But in that 17 years, despite the three recessions, Brisbane's median house price went from 18000 to 118000 or it increased six and a half times in 17 years with three recessions. So don't let anyone tell you that recessions um, make property prices go backwards. Last two facts. Uh, rents over the 10 years ending 2019, Brisbane rents only went up by 10% in an entire decade. Mm. Over the last three years, they've gone up by 30%. And the last fun fact, um, out of the 400 townships in Australia, whilst Brisbane is the third biggest city, there are 25 other townships that have a higher median house price than Brisbane's 830000 So we're still relatively affordable. A lot of history there and a lot of um, amazing facts about Brisbane. Um, did you know also Brisbane is where the Lamingtons were accidentally created, believe it or not, um, an Australian right? icon? It's a fun fact that uh, that we pulled together whilst you focused on property. And also Brisbane was the first location in Australia um, to offer electricity. It debuted down under here in Brisbane. So there's some really interesting information when you start digging around 
um, in relation to Brisbane. But I love the way you focused all of your fun facts towards property. I won't go into some of the other things that we re we researched as well. Maybe I can because I do tease people on our podcast, Simon, about the weather, and I'm always saying how good it is, how good it is up here in Queensland, in Brisbane, and I'm saying how the weather is so beautiful and lifestyle. And we are actually the sunny city where we get an average of 283 days of sunshine per year. We're lucky, aren't we, mate? No wonder they, <laughs> No wonder we want to stay here and, and all those people want to join us as well. And for those yeah. that haven't visited our CBD, all of the city uh, streets are actually named after British royalty. So we're very, um, you know, heavily focused on that. Um, all those that are northeast facing are female royals, believe it or not, including Anne, Adelaide, Elizabeth, Queen, Charlotte, Mary and Margaret. And then those that are perpendicular to the female named streets are actually male royal descendants, including William, George, Albert and Edward. So for those that don't live in Brisbane or haven't visited Brisbane, look out for the names of the streets in our capital. That's where you'll um, find a lot of British royalty. Interesting fun facts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Look, you, you do do a lot of re research, Simon, in um, in real estate markets around Australia. So right now, how are you finding Brisbane different? Uh, there's certainly, um, it didn't take too long despite all those interest rate rises that um, all of Australia had. It didn't take long for the pressure to return. And yeah, we were on record several times before the interest rates went up and said, you know, whenever that happens, and let's face it, um, the RBA moved a lot quicker than, than what they anticipated they would. And they certainly went a lot higher than what they... Uh, what everyone thought they would. But despite that, the biggest impact um, has been more so on consumer confidence than consumer finances. And I'm not saying that some people aren't doing it tough. That's, that's always the case. But um, the pressure is, is there. You know, you, you guys will see that every day when you're trying to transact with multiple offers. Um, and the main, even though there's a, a much smaller pool of buyers at the moment, the pressure is quite intense and I actually think Brisbane is currently running at a double digit growth um, double digit annual growth but the reason there's so much pressure despite fewer buyers is because there's bugger all stock so if you've got limited supply you actually need less buyers for that pressure to be there so that, that's one thing um, you know, where, where else is Brisbane different to, to other parts of the country um, it's certainly benefiting from internal migration although that, that's been uh, not for the first time, um, quite misleading the way it's been reported. I mean, Brisbane, Greater Brisbane, the city of Brisbane is made up of, of five different city councils. Um, the metropolitan Brisbane, um, that 20 kilometre radius that we were talking about earlier, people might be surprised to learn that it's actually had a decline in population from internal migration over the last decade. Um, it's more the, um, you know, Moreton Bay, Logan, Ipswich, Redlands that have been getting that influx of population. That still adds pressure to Greater Brisbane, though. Um, supply, I mentioned, I'll maybe put some facts around that for people. So over the last 10 years, um, there's, there's 450,000 extra people living in this city. But if we look at um, rental supply first, mm. at the end of August, there were 3,200 properties advertised for rent in Brisbane. 10 years ago, with 450,000 less people, there were 6,000 properties advertised for rent. Mm. So we're, we're roughly half the number of properties advertised for rent than a decade ago with, with, with you know, 450,000 less people. Back then, 10 years ago, that 6,000 properties was a 2% vacancy rate. So that was a balanced rental market back then. If that was balanced, what is it now? We're half that and more than 450,000 people. Um, resale supply, so this is the stuff that us buyers agents you know, I have to have to pick um, the best properties from. 
Uh, 10 years ago, there were nearly 28,000 properties on the market in Brisbane. Today, there are only 18,000 properties on the market, again, with, with an extra 450,000 people. So that is tight. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it's no wonder that you've referred to pressure. There's no wonder that we're seeing that pressure in both the rental market and in the sales market. There's simply not a lot of stock. There's not enough rental properties available for tenants looking to find a home. There's not enough properties available for sale for buyers that are looking to transact in the market. And of course, when we're looking at that pressure, when we simply have low supply, whether that's for a rental property or a home, and we have more and more people fighting over a limited number of properties that's what pushes prices up. It's not landlords being greedy, um, you know, in, in the tenancy space or in the, the, the rental space. Um, it's simply there's not a lot, enough stock, but there's simply too many tenants looking for a property. And the same in the sales market. I mean, people are still, who may not be on the ground, uh, believing that the market, you know, is fairly stable, but we are seeing more and more every weekend prices are escalating and it's simply because people are getting that FOMO back in the market, fear of missing out and we're starting to see buyers stretch because the competition is high. Uh, the buyers are competing over fewer properties and, and it's tough for buyers and for tenants looking for something in Brisbane. And you've pointed out some really good numbers there um, that factually highlight the decline over the last five years or so in stock in both segments of the market. Yeah, it's, it's that um, stereotypical seagulls fighting over a chip, Melinda. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that analogy that you use. Um, let's go back in time. Now, you know, you pointed out Brisbane had its highest year of annual growth back in 2003. We also had huge growth off the back of COVID-19. Um, you know, when we compare our growth to other markets around Australia, I think we were second behind Adelaide in, in the growth for capital city markets, but it hasn't always been this way for Brisbane and not all markets, capital city markets, regional markets move in the same way at the same time. Can you share some history relating to, to Brisbane in that regard? Yeah, I mean, um, we are a huge country and each of, not just the eight capital cities, but the 400 regions, no two markets are ever the same. They're always doing different things. Um, so I start with, you know, going back in time, if I start with um, looking some uh, changes with, with the rental market, I'll just focus on the last four decades. So the decade ending 2021, rents in Brisbane increased by 14%. And most of that was in the first of those, uh, first nine of those, of those 10 years. Um, the decade directly before that, so ending 2011, rents increased by 71% compared to 14% the decade just finished. Mm. The decade before that, ending 2001, that famous Brisbane Lions Premiership era, I'll keep raising that, yep. um, <laughs> rents went up by 40% in that decade. And the decade ending 1991, they went up by 72%. So I think it's interesting to, to, to look back because there's a lot of commentary and quite rightly so about the pressure in rental markets and rents going up. But frankly, there's always moments when rents will go up. There's always moments when they'll go sideways. There's moments when they go backwards too. Mm. Um, if we look at the, the boom eras, so I'm going way back to the gold rush era here. Um, Brisbane's had seven big boom periods. Um, the 1880s, the roaring 20s, which is between the two world wars, the 1950s, which is coming out of World War II when we had that, that baby boom era mm -hmm. um, and very high migration. The 1970s decade was, was a big boom again in the 1980s. Um, 1990s were a bit lean. The early 2000s was uh, included that decade that we had that 40% year we were talking about earlier. And of course, again, in the 2020s. So seven boom periods over the last sort of 150 years. Um, 
we've had also had some uh, lots of adversity. Um, so specific to Brisbane, we've had six major floods in this city. We are built on a floodplain. Mm. But guess what? Property prices still go up. That's yeah. right. We've had, we've had four major droughts um, in Brisbane. We've had two world wars. We've had the, the Vietnam conscription. We've had the Great Depression, four recessions, a GFC, a global health pandemic, a litany of property taxes. But guess what, folks? A hundred years ago, a standard house in Brisbane was worth $1,000, <laughs> despite all that adversity. And today, that same standard house is worth $840,000. Safe as houses is mm. a phrase for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And look, you know, housing values absolutely move in cycles. You've pointed out some um, of the boom times. You've pointed out some of the, the challenges that we've had as a city over time. But ultimately, the long term trend has been up. You know, a um, hundred years ago, um, if we were living at that time, or, or even if our ancestors um, had the the, the insights, perhaps they would have purchased um, multiple properties and held them long term. And, and it's the same mindset that we have today for those that are not fearful and are able to ride out the ups and downs of any market. Um, ultimately, the long term trend is up providing that you're buying something that's a quality asset. And it's something for people to keep in mind because there is a lot of fear and there's a lot of fear mongering within the media when people do um, hear things like interest rates are rising, you know, the economy is slowing, people tend to get fear and it's easy to offload quality assets at that time instead of riding through the downtrends and and obviously focusing on the long-term outcome. It's interesting, Simon, when you talk about all those fun, that, those facts there about the rent and the booms and things like that. And, and I know I, I do touch on the interest rate side of things and how that has changed over the years. And, and I've, you know, I show my age a little bit. When I say the first property I bought, I was on about 19% interest rates. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at it now and I think I know that it's probably not right and people will probably say it's not fair what I say, but I think money's pretty cheap at the moment still. <laughs> when I look back at what we used to pay um, at interest rates back those days. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, remember them well. Um, show my age like, like you, Scott, but I was, in, I was working in a bank those days and my three years of my banking career was working in um, the bank's recovery section, collections. Um, so when interest rates are 9%, you can imagine... You imagine how busy we were. We're, we're working overtime, you know, um, five nights a week. Um, yeah. You know, trying to get loans back into order because some um, people couldn't, some people couldn't couldn't cope. And you know, it's it's funny. I think the current modern day generation don't really know what adversity is. Mm, agree. And I think that, you know, um, up until the recent cycle where interest rates have been increasing, I think for the 10 years prior, interest rates only went down. And a lot of people that were buying into the market had never experienced a market where interest rates were increasing. So people became optimistic. They were making decisions based on a market that is not necessarily um, sustainable long term and perhaps they weren't actually preparing for the time when interest rates were going to increase because they were never going to stay as low as they were forever um, and that's where getting good advice up front from individuals that know that markets do cycle interest rates also cycle uh, really makes sense so that as an investor you can be confident or even as a home buyer confident that the market cycle will roll out eventually and maybe and maybe um buy a thermos and not the cafe the lattes all the time you can, you can you can change the way you live to be able to afford what what you'll actually benefit from as well so property investing um simon why is property investment important in our city right now yeah well i mean i think aside from water the roof over one's head is the most important commodity to to, to human life right um renting will never go out of fashion 
uh, Brisbane, you know, right now as we're having this conversation, three out of 10 homes are rented. And we can go back 70 years to the end of World War II and every single one of those 70 years, three out of 10 homes um, have been rented. So um, it's foolish for the, for the segment of society who thinks everyone has a right to own a home. No, no, everyone's got two arms, two legs, and one attitude. It's what you do with it that counts. Um, I put it to anyone who, um, who cares to listen that we'll never get a better ratio than three out of 10 homes mm. rented. That will never, never happen. Um, so where does that rental supply come from for three out of 10 households to, to rent that property? Well, right here, right now, um, and for decades, um, our uh, state and federal government combined, they only supply 8%, 8% of the total rental pool, not just in Brisbane, right across Australia. So um, governments will, will, will never be able to fund much of rental supply. They're, they're flat out building roads and hospitals and important infrastructure. They just don't have the financial capacity um, to fund rental accommodation, but we'll always need it. So the property uh, investor, the private sector, um, is where that, that comes from. But, but separate to providing rental accommodation, um, a healthy society is one who encourages households to be disciplined with their money and to not become reliant on things like age pensions um, and to invest in their future. So um, it, it's always important. I mean, those who don't invest, um, I hope you can live off $35,000 per annum per couple because that's what an age pension is worth. I'll say mm. that again. For a couple, it's 35 grand per annum. Mm. Um, here and now today, this nation spends $60 billion, $60 billion per year to fund age pensions. So imagine if we actually encouraged investment that's, you know, a lot of that $50 billion could be building cross river rail projects and mm. um, hospitals and universities and, and that sort of stuff. So long answer to your question, Scott, but investing is always yeah. important. And, and what's the opposite to it? Not living within their means, spending all their money, not, not mm. planning ahead. That's not a healthy society for, for anybody. And I will say also, you mentioned 8% of um, the rental accommodation that is uh, supplied Australia-wide is provided by governments um, and the balance is provided by private mum and dad investors. I know a little while ago on our podcast, we did interview Antonia Mercarella from the REIQ and she quoted for Queensland, the percentage of government supplied rental accommodation is 3 to 4%. So here it's even worse. Um, and so we become even more reliant on those private mum and dad investors to provide rental accommodation to the um, population that do rent. Uh, we recently interviewed Nicola McDougall, who's the chair of PIPA, Property Investment Professionals of Australia. Now, uh, their survey result, results came out recently and in that survey, it was revealed that Brisbane in second place, followed by regional Queensland in third place, uh, Melbourne was number one, had the largest volume of investors that sold out of the market just in the last 12 months. So the rental supply here in Queensland and certainly in Brisbane has been declining. At the same time, the people that have purchased those properties were more likely to have been first home buyers or upsizes, so home buyers. So only a very small portion of the investors that sold out had properties that were purchased by new investors. So definitely the supply has shrunk at a time where vacancy rates are very, very tight, at a time where rents are already 
on the increase and at a time where people we do need more you know rental accommodation so these are really alarming um, results from the survey that that Pippa did conduct um, what are your thoughts about that yeah we should be concerned about it I mean investing is a discretionary action there's, mm. there's no law that any you know that, that any of us have to do it and um, if we don't do it or if we, certainly if we don't do if there's not enough transactions per year investing in real estate as we've been talking about well you know where are those three to ten households going to live so mm. people should be concerned um they shouldn't be surprised by those numbers mm. um you know investors have been bashed with so many baseball bats for six or seven years now this just hasn't popped up overnight um but it's a discretionary action mm. so if you're continually getting whack 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 around the head eventually someone says you know what i'm not going to put up with that pain anymore i don't need this in in my life so how does an investor or a landlord, whichever term you want to use, them selling an asset, how does that help an existing person who's already sleeping on a friend's couch because they've got nowhere that they could rent? How does that sale help that person? It doesn't. Um, how does that sale of an existing property and a diminished rental pool help the current tenants who are actively you know, going to open homes, looking for somewhere to rent, and fighting amongst fighting amongst the crumbs that are left, how does the the sale of rental properties help those people? It doesn't. How does um a reducing rental pool and people who are not investing in that future? How does that help a nation um wean our way off an age pension? That nothing good comes from this. Mm, mm, nothing good absolutely comes. Absolutely not. It. No. And of course, then we have to consider what happens if this continues. I mean, we've got rental reforms, we've got, you know, governments that um, are implementing all of this policy change that, you know, quite rightly so for some people is scaring them out of the market. And, and the results in this PIPA survey um, have revealed that they are actually driving investors away. And that potentially is one of the reasons. Of course, interest rates um, increasing has also caused some investors to exit the market. But policy change and land tax or tax changes, they've been the main drivers according to the PIPA results. So what's going to happen here in Brisbane specifically if, if this trend continues at a time where we already have a rental crisis? Yeah, I mean, Without exception, I've written more about rents, and as you both know, I, I, I produce a lot of commentary and blogs on markets. And I've, there's nothing I've written more about over the last seven years than than rents. You know, mm -hmm. what I started to do seven years ago was put commentary wrapped up with facts to ex, um, to to get policy writers to exercise caution with the actions that they were taking, saying if you do this, you know, this is what might happen. And, and then there's some some of those I guess predictions started to unfold. It's like, geez, you know. Maybe you didn't hear me. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate it. I'll show you the consequences of some of the things you're doing. And, and now they just keep kicking the can down the street and you know keep whacking with the baseball bats. Where might this end? I've deliberately tried not to think about that, but you can't. You can't. You can't not. Right? Um, there'll be more competition amongst tenants. There'll be rents will keep rising. Um, the greens of the world can talk about we'll put a rental freeze. Well, that will just make it worse. Um, mm. Yep, you, you, you'll, you'll win in regards to stop the landlord increasing rents, but the, you just have en masse landlords will sell. Mm. So, so the tenants will have nowhere to go. Um, mm. uh, you'll put more pressure on, 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 on age pensions and you'll create a serious, serious risk of civil unrest, potentially even violence. And that's mm. not the Australia that any of us have ever known. So a solution, do we put you into politics, Simon? Or oh, what, mate. What, 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 what's, if you had the power to change it, what, what would you do? What, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I'd never be a politician. You don't want to go into but, politics? <laughs> no, they are the worst uh, representation representation of the human race, in my opinion. But <laughs> but, but if, if people were to ask me, what would you do? Um, the few things that I would do, I would, not just for the current rental crisis, um, for a healthier world, I would uh, make financial literacy a compulsory part of the education system in there would be uh, a, a whole year where that would be part of the primary school education and, and then you'd ramp up um, that again in, in, in secondary education. If we made people aware when they're learning tools to then become, you get a job, if we made people aware of the consequences of not making some good financial decisions when you get older, this is, this is how unattractive your life will be. If people were aware of that and we gave them some basic financial literacy, uh, we wouldn't have these situations because part of all, all humans' core values would be we need to plan for for the future and investing is a good trait, but we've yeah. sort of we've, we've demonised investing. Um, then investors aren't rich people. No, M- most of them, uh, ninety according to the ATO, ninety two percent of property investors have a taxable income of a hundred grand per year. Mm, yeah. So so we need to be I would change that but the way to change that is the, is the generation coming up and put it in in the um education system and and that will address this really unattractive segment of society that's become the tall poppy syndrome. You know anyone who's a, who's accomplished anything rather than admiring them and learning from them and how can I do that we, we criticize them and it's just it's just not helpful. So that's one thing I would do um, I'd reiterate the importance of free markets for all of, all commodities. Mm. Whenever the governments intervene, which is what's caused this rental crisis, whenever the governments intervene and try to stop one thing, they make policies that deal with the symptom rather than focusing on the cause, mm. and you create a whole heap of other unintended consequences. That's that's where we're at now. Mm. Um, I'd be encouraging investing. Um, I think I think there's a lot that could be done. Some minor tweaks to credit policy. Mm. So that those who had goals, aspirations, financial capacity were actually able to get a loan approved and add that extra property to the rental pool. I think we can do that in a safe way. And the last thing, not just for investors, not just for first home buyers, for everybody who bought a property, no matter what stage of your life you're at, I would completely abolish stamp duty. Mm. But it must be replaced with something. Mm. Because stamp duty is $26 billion per year in this country. So it must be replaced with something to fund yep. the schools and the roads. Um, I personally would increase the, a broad-based increase to the GST. Mm, yep. so all Australians pay. Um, and first-time buyers, they remove a big barrier to get in the market. Investors will be more active. But it's also the existing owner-occupier who wants to upgrade their home because they've mm. got a bigger family. They can move as well. So yep. I hope that helps. Yeah, I think there's some really good ideas. And I, I do... Massive support that education side of it because mm. there's nothing you hear it everywhere that people talk about. I had a barbecue and my friend or my father or my cousin told me that everyone's an expert when it comes to property. Imagine yeah. if they were actually educated mm. and we had more educated experts around it, everyone would benefit from it as well. So I love, I love that education one. Um, and also I won't argue about the stamp duty. That's for sure. <laughs> I think also, you know, it comes down at the moment to parents teaching their kids. And if the parents are not financially, financially literate and already setting themselves up on that investment journey, it's very hard to instill that, those skills and confidence in their own children. So it's a vicious cycle. Whereas, as you say, starting from the grassroots, um, financial literacy through schools makes perfect sense. Um, hope someone 
from government might be listening to to see if that's an idea that that's taken on board. I would love to um, finalise, Simon, with you know trying to get some information from you, some intel into the future. And everybody asks us all the time, you know, what's the prediction for Brisbane? What what do you think is going to happen? What does the next 12 months look like? And we're very reluctant to, you know, say with absolute certainty, I mean, we can't. Um, but based on current fundamentals, based on what's happening right now, what do you think will shape Brisbane's property market performance in future years? Yeah, I mean, none of us do have a crystal ball, but... I guess um, key, key to predicting is understand what I call the cause and effect. You know, what are the actual things that influence property prices? Um, it's a lot less predictable now than what it has been for a long time um, because some of the things that influence property markets now and always are decisions made by policy setters. And I find it incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to anticipate what they might do. Mm. Whereas when it, when it was COVID, um, I knew exactly what they would do. Because we were, we're, it was not politics then, it was a health pandemic, let's just keep everybody safe. So it was, it was completely predictable to me what property markets would do with COVID because mm. I knew that the RBA were going to cut interest rates. I knew that Apple were going to relax credit policy. I knew that every state government and every federal government were going to throw money at the economy. All those things when you've already got record low rent, um, supply for sale means a massive boom and that's what unfolded. Mm. But those policy things now, well, what, what will you know, those same people do? To me, that's harder to judge. So in answering your great question, Melinda, I've sort of broken it down into some, some negative things, some positive things, and some unknowns. Some negative things about Brisbane's property market. We've been talking about uh, the rental space. Mm -hmm. um, rents, the cash flows to invest in Brisbane are unfavourable, as they are in many parts of Australia. If you're buying that standard home in Brisbane today, standard house, with a 10% deposit as an investor, it's about a $27,000 per annum shortfall to your cash flow. So that's a, that's a negative, but it's not unique to Brisbane. Um, just the um, unfavourable treatment that investors are getting is, is, is a negative. Um, our state government, which have a, all state governments have a big influence on the, on the health of the state's economy. Um, our state government has a very, very, very big debt. Mm. Um, so that directly uh, will curtail infrastructure investment we're pulling forward a heck of a lot of infrastructure investment because we're committed to hosting the Olympic Games. But there's going to be a long lean period of limited investment because mm -hmm. we've got so much debt. Um, and there's, the, there's risk of lots of new taxes being introduced because of all that debt. You know, it was mm -hmm. this time 12 months ago, um, the Queensland State Government introduced that horrible land tax, mm -hmm. um, which they had to repeal. Yes. But even though it was repeal, it's a sign of where their head's at and mm. how their budgets are under pressure. So they're the negatives. Um, the positives, um, those who already own real estate in the city of Brisbane, um, you know, you're, you're sitting on sizable equity. Mm. Roughly over the last three years, um, Brisbane homes have increased in value by about 50%. So that's a big positive. Mm. Um, we're getting a lot of positive PR associated with the Olympic Games, which is not for 2032, but we can expect that to, for Brisbane to get a lot of attention, um, you know, for the next decade or so. Right now, the Brisbane's economy um, is, is in a healthy state and it's the best it's been for 16 years. Yep. I think the completion of the Queen's Wharf project, um, I think it opens in April next year. They keep changing the date of that, but mm. it's, it's not that far away. It will be a game changer. Mm. The construction, like, because Brisbane has is, is never been a popular place for people to, for tourism. They go to the Gold Coast, they go to the Sunshine Coast, but no one comes to Brisbane because there's 
There's no major attraction here unless you've got family and friends here. Queen's Wharf will be the equivalent of the enormous Crown Precinct in Melbourne. It will be huge. It created um, 2,000 jobs constructing it, but it will create 10,000 jobs once it's finished. Mm. And it will attract a lot of tourism trade. So that, that, that will be a game changer. Um, South East Queensland, broadly, it's, it's, it's popularity for um, southern migrants. It's always been popular, but I think COVID has increased that, that popularity. Um, and housing supply is low, which has a positive influence on property prices. So there's a positive. The unknowns. Um, the strength of Brisbane's most important industries going forward. Whilst Brisbane's not a mining town, its economy will always rely heavily on mining. Always. Um, right now, mining's in high demand. It won't always be that way. Construction sector, not unique to Brisbane. There's a lot of developers going, going mm. bust. Um, professional services in, is in a healthy state, and that's very important to Brisbane's economy. The macro factors, which, which affect all of Australia, credit policy, interest rates, cost of living, what will they be like going forward? None of us have a crystal ball. Um, my, I think logic says to me that maybe as soon as the first half of next year, we might see interest rates reduce. Mm. But I don't have a crystal ball there. Um, tax policy, um, you know, who knows? Every government in the world has a lot of debt at the moment. So that they are, they are considering increasing new taxes. So that's an unknown. Rental legislation, God help us, leave it alone. <laughs> but it's an unknown, right? Um, and then the last thing is, is the general ongoing management of the state's economy. What will that be like? As I said, it's in a good state now, but how long will it stay that way? Don't know. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic summary. I mean, you've broken it down into three important areas there and um, I hope listeners have taken away some value and it's the way any property market should be assessed before you're making a decision to invest in a certain area. The unknowns are generally relevant to all areas. You really can't predict the future, um, but taking a really close look at the economy of where you're investing before you decide you know, at a macro level, which town or city you are going to invest in makes perfect sense. And I know people that come to us and, and say, well, uh, convince me that Brisbane's the right place to buy. I'm sorry, that's not what we do as a business. Once you're actually convinced that Brisbane is the right place for you to place your money, then we will help you to buy the best asset that your money can buy here in Brisbane. We're not in the business of telling anyone that Brisbane's better than anywhere else. And I know, Simon, in your business, um, you do help buyers and guide buyers at a national level in terms of where might be the best place to buy. Talk a little bit about um, your business and how people can get in touch. Uh, so propertyology.com.au. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're different. So I guess my motivation has always been financial independence. That, that's what drives me. Um, that's, that, I guess you get that drive when you're raised in a family that you never had any money. Um, so I, I was determined uh, going through high school to make sure that um, I developed the school, skills and education and made some good financial decisions so that my family um you know didn't didn't have those struggles and that's become my business so probably always a bit different in regards to we only work with investors so i guess to use an analogy it's a bit like the stockbroker's equivalent to property mm. so regardless of which town or city the individual property investor might live in if they're looking to make a more sophisticated investment decision and be open-minded to all of australia um our service involves you know, picking the eyes out of all of Australia and saying, based on our research, this is the location, you know, town or city, 
um, that we recommend you should invest in. And then our buyers agents get to get their hands dirty and find that right property for them. And we'll pop those details in the show notes as well. So if people do want to reach out and get in touch, they can. Um, and yeah, Thanks, Simon. It's been amazing. So, Simon, it's interesting. Some things I, I did pick up out of there was, and it'll be interesting to see how we didn't really probably touch on it. We've we've talked for a while. Um, the the density of how Brisbane will change. I think that's something yep. that will be really interesting to watch. How we change over the next, let's say, let's say short term, ten years, um, up to the Olympics or nine years now. Um, I think the density of Brisbane is going to be interesting and in how we change as a city. Um, I think also we might free up some trades, hopefully in that construction sector. As you said, once Queens Wharf's finished, um, there's mm. a lot of tradies that are in there. Um, we could do with them out and about um, doing buildings elsewhere. Um, yeah. That might free up a little bit as well. But I think the way Brisbane will shape could be very interesting to watch. My, that, is, that is an awesome point. I've thought about that a, a bit as well. I mean, traditionally, not just Brisbane, but the big cities globally, um, as the population grows, uh, the city centre just goes higher and higher and we just like, live denser and denser um covid's you know covid's gone mm. but the impact it's had on emotions i don't think will leave this generation who lives who lived through it um some people will always love the density and you know work in town and want to live in town but there it, it's not a fad that a lot more people want more space mm. um so i think the town planners they probably uh, want to keep going up and increase that density but at the end of the day the town planners aren't buying the properties it's the public yeah. that buy the properties and, and and there's an increasing number of people that want space so mm. how they manage that it will be interesting to see yeah it's been great great chatting look we'll, we'll, we will wrap it up um it's awesome to talk and and we'd love to have you have you back again um i'm sure our listeners got a lot out of that today some good good fun facts obviously um, and a lot of interesting data and information that you do share, which we really appreciate. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, as usual, I will let Melinda wrap it up um, and close out. Um, a great episode and thanks for listening till next week. Thanks very much and bye for now. Yes, thank you so much, Simon. We really appreciate you making the time into not only coming onto the show, but also putting the time into researching all of that information specific to Brisbane to share with our audience. So thank you so much. My pleasure. You're both great people. You're doing a great job. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. As always, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, please don't forget to leave us a review. Um, friend, friends, share the episode with friends and family as you always do. It's the way people get to know about the information that we share um, and we hope you've had enormous value once again. Until next week, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.